0: Neil, we are recording.
1: Welcome back to the Fab Academy. So this week, we're going to recap uh, applications and implications, where the homework assignment was to propose a final project, and each of these questions is important. So as you build your pages, I want to see what you do with each of these Uh, these questions and once again as a reminder your final project documentation you don't do at the end, you build it as you go, you document as you work. So that's what we're going to review now. Then in sequences, the um, uh, you're making a note for next week. Eric Wilhelm, head of Fusion for Autodesk, did a nice recitation on that and the plans. Uh, Recitation Monday is very interesting. Uh, Ted Hall is the founder of ShopBot. I believe he's going to join Gonzalo Ray, who's the leader, uh, technical leader of Moog, which is maybe the leading motion control company. They make the actuators and controllers for the... Uh, industrial robots up to jumbo jets and this is going to be about not personal fabrication but personal automation building automation processes on a personal local um, scale of what's done on an industrial scale and um, they make the most amazing actuation and robotics Um, so that'll be monday's recitation Uh, this week's class is going to be on the life cycle of invention. And I'll explain more at the end. The homework assignment is going to be a plan for disseminating your final project and then starting work on the media for the project. And then the very last class, I'm going to talk about project management and go through lots of example final projects. And then the assignment is going to be to complete the project. And next week, I'll go through a number of questions you'll need to answer. Then we'll be signing up and do the final presentations. Okay. So let's start in on the random generator, same cycle. We'll do about an hour of random generator and then we'll open it up to people we missed and anybody who wants to volunteer anything. So let me get to the right place on that. So Marco from Cagliari. Marco Sardinia. Dominic from Barcelona.
2: Hi Neil,
3: give me one minute I... and I will bring
0: Hi. No no this okay.
3: is him? Yep. We are calling him.
0: Okay.
1: Uh J Travis Russet from Shanghai.
4: Sorry, Neil Dominic Moore from Barcelona. Just got back.
1: Okay. Um Dominic, talk about yourself. Sorry.
4: Um, uh, yeah. Hold on, hold on, Let's let's go with Dominic in Barcelona. Um. Go ahead. Hi there. Yeah. Um. I'm originally from Bournemouth, um, but I've been living in Barcelona for uh, about five years now. Um. I uh, recently, until now, have been uh, teaching English as a foreign language in various academies here, and it's going back to my roots as a university uh, in terms of product design and, and trying to push forward with these modern manufacturing techniques. Um, in terms of my main project, I'm sort of oh, building on uh, and following.
1: Sorry, I'm, I'm just catching up to your page. Um, is this intentionally low contrast?
4: No, not, not as such. It comes out as better resolution on, on my one. I was, I've still got to play with my CSS to change the uh, sort of fonts and get the pictures all lined up correctly because okay. they're not quite working. Okay, and then, okay, talk about project plans. Yeah, my main project is kind of following on from our, our, group, uh, our group project, which was the solar tracker. So I'm trying to sort of re- renovate and um, progress that with some development. Um, I'm currently, I've been sort of choosing between which um, Arduino or fabable Arduino to base my, uh, base my control board on. Um, I'm hurriedly trying to to print out my boards and my sensor module for my light light sensors Um, and Yeah, developing the developing the uh, designs for the frame structure Unfortunately, I haven't got photographs updates for the last week really much on my website yet Okay, so um, I have um, As you work
1: as a reminder Just to recap for everyone I want to know what's your project going to do. Um, I want to know who's done what beforehand. I want you to do some homework to see what's out there. Um, I want you to include what are the materials and components, where did they come from, and how much do they cost to understand the supply chain behind the lab? Um, What are you going to make? How are you going to make them? Uh, What are the open questions? What are the tasks? Um, What are the questions you need to answer, Um, and then what's going to happen when, and then finally, how do you tell if the project succeeded or not? And so um, I'd like everybody to explicitly include those as tracking questions as you're working as part of the exercise.
4: Sure. I think I updated this morning, and I don't think it's quite uh, updated my, my page for this week. Okay.
1: And then, um, are you gonna, what are you going to move? Is it a, uh, just a photovoltaic? What, what is solar tracking?
4: Um, it's based on, it's based on a, a just a yeah, PV panel for now. Um, I'm probably going to make a sort of scale, scale model for it. Um, whether I'm actually going to purchase the battery, the inverter, and the panel, or uh, just implicate those things, but I'm mainly focusing on, on motor control and the mechanisms and sort of some kind of gear reduction.
1: Okay, so two points on that. One is uh, final projects can be collab- collaborative if they're separat- separable. So there's one whole system about like picking a PV panel, doing the power conversion, doing the energy storage, logging the power production. All of that could be somebody else's project if you want to work with somebody And it's a good example because there's one whole system, which is the solar tractor. There's another whole system, which is the power conversion. And then you can put them together into a bigger project. Yeah, sure. And then the other comment is, uh, this is former students from my program who I showed this uh, briefly. Um, Instead of gears and motors, they did pneumatics and bellows. And they have, have huge... a... good.
4: Sorry, I have had a brief look at um yeah, air, air power pneumatics, hydro, uh, and yeah, um, controlling.
1: So the reason I mentioned that is uh everybody uh, goes right everybody... to the motor in the gear. Um there are many different approaches. So one is just motors and gears, um, one is pneumatics, um, a different one still is flexures. So you can make a flexure that you load um, and then you have tendons that pull and push on them. And so you just have a take-up reel with a tendon pulling on a flexure. Um, Let's see. Uh, MIT News Morphing Wing. This is a much more complex example of a project um, uh, done in my lab with NASA to make... Um, morphing airplane wings, and this is flexural parts, and then we're just setting constraints, and so the whole structure is deforming.
4: So would that be some kind of special composite or uh sort well, of like elastic, elastic material?
1: So in, in the way we're doing this, it's it's um, with flexural cellular materials.
0: um uh, uh, so,
1: it consi- this one was made out of rigid and flexural l- linked loops to make, and then this goes through the mass, so that the whole structure is deformable.
4: What actually would provide the actuation in that? Would it be a, and, a linear... And, 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 and- Yep.
1: And so the way in this one, it it'd be a little different for yours. The way we do it in this one is um there are torque tubes. And so um see if we go back to MIT. Um so what's going on here is uh, on the leading, and it's different for the wing and, and yours, but in this one, on the leading and the trailing edge, um, there are torque tubes, and we're just simply controlling the spacing of the leading and the trailing edge uh, with a motor, a central motor, and then that causes the whole structure to deform. But you could also do it with, for example, a take-up reel loading a tendon. But broadly what yeah, you can think that, about
0: yeah.
1: is loading a flexural structure to make make the whole structure deform, and so you don't need ge- you, you just have a fixed motor, you don't need gearing, you just actually morph the whole structure
4: so is that is that the motor would be winding on like a, a tensile structure and, and compressing the flexures you say
1: right so in in one version you you have a tendon pulling the take up reel loading the structure. In this one, we have a rigid member, and then we're just uh, pulling the distance between the, the, the torque tubes on that. There are a number of different ways you can load these flexural structures. Uh, um, but yeah, I know. to say, as you're working, don't jump right to the motor and gear. Open up for a little bit the design space for how you move the solar tracker. With the, the goals being done, done properly, this can be quieter, lower cost. Smoother, bigger. You know, they can. You know, to be clear on the benefits of doing it this way.
4: Yeah, I'm a bit concerned with um, sort of if there's any parts that need buying in, sort of getting on and making the decisions with this. But yeah, my main concerns is whether to go with a sort of radial motion or a, a linear, linear actuating motion. Yeah.
1: Now, just on that last point, Jens. Um, uh, on his fabricatable machines. He's done a great job on the gears. So um, on this generation of his machine, uh, he's buying the motors and the electronics, um, but he's making everything else in the lab. And in particular, he has a nice sequence. I don't know if Jens is on right now on how to make the... Yeah, gear. I am
5: Neil, and we have a, a roll-through access.
1: So, um, we're, we're not getting a video from you, you this audience. Where, where do I go for the gears? Uh,
5: uh, it's that folder called chamfer rail. Uh, so, yeah, chamfer rail in the main repository, it's a folder okay. called chamfer rail. Oh.
1: I think I'm in the right place. So... Um, uh, here, um, so he's milling um, the racks, and um, and then here he's making the pinion gears.
4: And with uh, those pinions, are there, is that is those pinions made out of nylon yens or is that some other plastic?
5: Pom, P O M, or Delrin in the U. S.
4: Um, and and had, milled or la- laser cut those.
5: Delrin. Um D-
1: Delrin is a fairly nice material. It's not super strong, um but it machines beautifully and it um has a little bit of elastic deformation. And so it, it deforms slightly rather than shattering. And so it's it's a forgiving material. Um, but yeah, this, this is a great example of um, jumping to you can make those parts in the labs. And again, part of the beauty of him milling the aluminum rails is he's doing this on machines that aren't spec for milling aluminum, um, but he's using tool toolpaths. The thing I mentioned where in a um, trachoidal toolpath where um, you... Mill in loops to do constant um, loading that lets you um, do this machi- beautiful machining on a thing you might not think could do aluminum.
5: So actually, those parts right. are milled is that, is in a traditional that? way. Uh, but we found out if we want to do that with the machines we make ourselves again, then we need to use the trochoidal. But the shopbot can actually do it a sort of blunt and, and stupid way.
1: Oh, let's see. But no, it was the steel on the shop bot that surprised me.
5: Exactly. So we need recoil to do steel on the shop bot and to do aluminum on DIY machines. Okay, that's a nice
1: hierarchy. Yeah. Um, This is a a really important discussion. uh, If we go back to um, this point, where possible you should make parts, and the goal of making parts is adding value. And so the point of just this little bit of the discussion is, you know, you don't have to pick gears from a catalog with this little bit of prep. You can be making your own gearing, which is a great skill to have in your lab. By the way, uh, Jens, how do you do shaft attachment to the motors?
5: Uh, we uh, we drill and tap holes with set screws. And oh. actually, one of our recent problems with the heavy motors is that uh, the one set screw is not enough. So coming up next is is uh, increasing the length of the set screws and adding three instead of one set screw.
1: Yeah. I I mean, right it, it's always an irritation. Um you know that's why making custom motors with integrated attachment is nice. At some point we'll start making our own motors. Not quite yet.
5: But uh, grinding it flat on the shaft is very important.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, Dominic, any anything else
4: about that? No, I think that all sounds very interesting. I'm I'm trying to really focus on yeah the gearing, so yeah I might might take a word with the uh, with Jens and get in contact about that. Just,
5: just in yes, me a mail, and I can update you on 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 how you are working on rotary axes with the system because it's all parametric, so you can type in in your needs and uh, Grasshopper will generate the geometry in it. Yep. Yeah. excellent.
4: Um, yeah, sounds.
1: Jens, I think if you send a message just to the class list, a lot of people will be interested. And um, Dominic, to come back to my questions, there have been a number of trackers done as projects before. This is a nice example of a delta. If you focus on, um, let's see, Uh, I'm fond of this picture. Again, in this picture, on the left is what he buys. On the right is what he makes in the lab. And bit by bit, things from the left move to the right. And so, if you focus on a tracker where you make more of the you know in the in this spirit of the precision parts the mechanism parts in the lab, that would be a nice spiral on that project.
4: sure i'm i'm looking I'm looking primarily at doing an aluminium frame <coughs> mechanisms okay Noisy. good, thank you, Dominic Thank you neil
1: okay, so um Shanghai.
2: Hello, Neil. Uh, unfortunately, Travis is not in the lab today, and he is having trouble connecting. So he said he will try to download a new program, your software, and try to connect later during the class.
1: OK. Um, the, again, at video.cba.mit.edu, I keep a tracking list of uh, options. And um, Real Presence Blue Jeans, Zoom Life Size all have um, free trials as cloud clients. Uh, Like right now, I've switched to, I was using Akiga, I'm using BlueJeans now to call into the MCU. Um, And that's been working well.
2: Yeah, we tried everything, and for some reason on his computer, nothing was. (laughs) But okay, thanks. Okay, is it behind
1: the great firewall? Yes, exactly. I see. Um, Yeah, we might set up for the future a proxy server for Fab Academy for that reason.
0: Um,
1: uh, We were looking for Marco from Cagliari. Uh, Guillermo from Yachai. Hi Hi, Neil, here is Guillermo. Tell me again, I always say it wrong. How do I pronounce Yachai?
6: Yachai.
1: Yachai, that's what I get wrong. Yachai. Yeah, Yachai. Yachai.
6: Okay.
1: okay. So, Guillermo, tell me about yourself. i Neil.
0: you. Yep. Um, um, Sorry, get in the camera.
1: Guillermo, uh, I live in Cuenca, Ecuador. Sorry, uh, you're not in the camera.
6: Oh, let me see.
1: <laughs> okay. So tell me about yourself.
0: Uh, I live in Ecuador. Uh, I work by two little uh, workshops. The first one is a workshop, and the second one is uh technology project we make a uh, drone to different different applications okay is uh, the my final project is a um, is a combination of of the technology with the um, with the traditional production of ceramics <laughs> um, and a, a, um different form to to make a faster prototype yeah so um
1: uh, a couple comments uh this is a nice project uh you need much more information on your site. It's very incomplete. Yeah. Okay. It's a good project, but you need much more information on your site. Do you understand? Yes. Okay. Um, And then for that project, a really nice example is um, Ron Rail at Berkeley um works on 3D in clay to make ceramics. And so he makes these beautiful ceramic objects. Um, let me see what he has documented on it. Um, I'm looking to see the machine. So he makes these um, with an extruder that extrudes um, uh, pottery clay um, that he then fires. I'm looking to see the images of the machine. But um, this is a, a you know a, a good example of somebody making a clay printer that can be a starting point for what you're trying to do.
6: Yeah, um, Guillermo is also trying to use water in order to join like this um, ceramic. Um, um, I don't know how to say this. Um, I don't know like. Uh,
0: the sand, you know
6: like yeah, yeah, sand with water yeah. and some chemicals, yeah, okay, so uh
1: again the the project is great, but at this point, um he needs much more that um he needs to fill in all of these questions, um
6: yeah, you can find those questions. In assignment,
1: in the assignment. Ah, in the, I I the wrong place, okay. Yes. <laughs> ah, okay. So yeah. okay. Ah, okay. So here, okay, ah. Oh, I see. So this was an EAC uh, clay printing project Yes. Uh Barcelona, is that still active at IAC? Um is, is that ongoing? Hello Neil.
0: Yeah.
7: yeah. Um I'm uh, Abdullah from IAC and I was part of this project uh ah, okay. for the postgrad uh, okay. Yeah.
1: Is it ongoing?
7: No, it's um, actually, we were part of the exhibition that finished, um, that's Friday. Okay. Um, I don't know, you can
1: have a look at it. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah. What did you,
0: um, what did,
1: you did you end up license printing clay as a process?
7: Yeah, actually, it's not really clay, clay, but it's like a mix of mud and clay. So it's uh, mm-hmm. something that could be local sourced, and um, you know that you know, like since you have a, let's say, a 3D printer that you can print your blocks and build the house out of it. So if you have a material and you have like you know outsourced 3D printer, so you can go for it and build your house, kind of thing.
1: Nice. Good to see that. That's further than I realized uh, you had gotten on this project. Very nice to see. Yeah, because
7: um, yeah. Yeah, I'm recently also doing the Fab Academy because I was next to the Fab Academy room. <laughs> so I was uh-huh. doing both at some point, the okay. like the first two
1: months. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, j- just briefly, we'll go back to Ecuador, but what are you doing for your final project?
7: Uh for my final project I'm um, doing the self-organizing mini robots um like uh, as uh, the Kilobots or the Zoids projects. Yeah. Um
1: oh, remind me your name?
7: A B D Abdullah.
1: Um hey. oh here you are. Um so, uh, hold
0: on. I'll come
6: back to that after we finish with Ecuador. Um, sure. Yep. Yeah. So we are gonna um, like use the the base that we are making CNC uh, to to uh, in order to use uh, that base. And development base in order to uh, make all the projects of of the students. So uh, it is a collaborative uh, project that we are making as a group.
1: Sorry, but help me understand. Meaning for the final project.
6: Yeah, the the final project. Uh, is like we're we're trying like if if you see the first uh, photo in the final page in the final project page we are trying to join uh, this like a, a clay clay um, sand you know um, with water and some chemicals so it's another process it's like um, like this. Um, 3D printer, um, yeah, yeah, uh, 3D printer, okay, with water,
1: right? I'm just asking for joint final projects, you have to clearly separate um systems so each student does a complete project you can join together,
0: yeah, you understand, yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah, you need to. Yeah. It can't be one project many people work on. You have to have separate systems so each student does everything.
6: Yeah, of course. We're we're doing that. Yeah.
1: Good. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Yachai. Did I say it right?
6: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay, good.
1: Okay. Um, so coming back to Barcelona, tell tell me about the final project. Yeah,
7: so um, I'm thinking uh, of making self-organizing mini-robots. Do you have anything Um, on
4: that
7: page? Um, Actually, I have the modeling, if you look at the second week. um, Okay. And the first week also.
1: Okay. I'm going to keep repeating. If you have a final project tracking page that logs your work on it. All right. Yeah. Uh, yes. uh take this seriously. You run out of problem. time. And so you need to maintain a final project tracking page as you work. Don't wait till the end to, to make it. But um Fine for what shot. you're doing, um the um, Harvard, Harvard box is a great direction for our project. Um uh I think I showed this Oh wow! On flash. Um. So. It it was this array of a thousand robots. Each is very simple. They just uh vibrate and they um orient the vibration. And then what was interesting is how you coordinate them. And there's some beautiful videos. Um. So very, very simple, extremely simple robots, but then coordinating many of them. And so that's a great project direction. Is that what you're going to try to do?
7: Yeah, uh, I have this reference, actually, in my first week for the project management. And, yeah, I was looking at their documents. And there's also another one called Zoids, where they're using wheels instead of vibration motors.
1: Right. But what's so nice about the vibration uh, uh, was just
0: incredible simplicity.
1: Yeah, anything in that direction is fun. Um, Generally, people underestimate the effort for replication. And so they spend all of their time getting up to one or two, and they don't have enough time to make more than that. And so you'll need to manage time carefully if you want to get multiple ones working.
7: Yeah, that's true. I'm I'm thinking to do three
1: or four robots minimum. I guess. Yep. Okay. Good. That's fine. It's a good direction. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Felipe from FCTF.
0: Hey, Neil. Yeah.
3: Hey, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, great. So, hi, I'm Steve. Tell me about yourself. Yeah, that's me. Uh, I'm uh, the responsible for this FabLab, FCT FabLab. We've been called before with basically, we're a quite recent FabLab. We opened on last October. Uh, Okay. So basically, right now I'm, I'm the responsible person for the, this lab, and uh, hopefully in about a month or so, uh, I'll be the Fab master. Um, okay. Uh, so that's basically, what I've been doing. Sorry, I'm gonna, um, Some tests. Tell, tell me about, about this thing. Sorry, sorry.
1: Yeah, t- t- I'm looking at um, this project.
3: Yeah, laser cutting, yeah. Oh, that was basically uh, something I tried to make from one sheet of uh, MDF, making uh, a bendable support to put some some flyers in it, basically. And that failed, basically. The engines the were, were not cut uh, as it should be. But then I retried it, so I, I remade the design, and uh, it came out better. Not perfect yeah, I... yet, but almost there.
1: I really like this picture. I, I want to leave it for people to stare at because, again, the bane of laser cutting is you just cut out flat sheets and stick them together. Um, you can bend things, but this is a neat example of with a little bit of thought, you can make a, a single structure that folds up into a more complex
3: shape. Um, that's, yeah, a, that's, that's a neat design. To have uh, multiple ways to, to bend, not just one direction in this case yeah. the two. That one did not yeah. work, so I basically I went for one, one only. At, okay. At my, my, my drawing, my drawing boards. Okay. For the, the this last week, um, I didn't answer the the. Yeah, that's what I've been doing basically. Uh, okay, so what my is the project object, gonna be? Uh, my final project. Yeah, it's basically uh. Uh, an, an electronic bingo, you know, the okay. game with the numbers that came out, the, the ball came out came out, and basically um, I'm trying to do that electronically uh, without any moving parts. But okay. Having a, uh, a small... Sorry. why are you using um, dip chips? Yeah, those basically are the, the drivers for the, the matrix, for the LED matrix. If you right. can go... Oh, sorry, a I'm just higher. asking... You can Why are
1: you using these larger DIP packages instead of surface mount?
3: Uh, I thought it could be easy just in case something went wrong since it's about 24 pins. If I do one wrong, then all fails. Uh, yeah. So that was easy uh, I, I, I really don't recommend that.
1: Um, this kind of package okay. is, is nearly obsolete. You know, no new parts come out in those packages. And with just a little bit of practice, you'll have no trouble soldering that number of pins. And you'll you'll make smaller things,
3: you know, with current parts. Um, I really don't recommend that. Yeah. Well, right now, I basically done already the the board for it. But um, since it is a matrix, I try to... I tried. I thought about using jumper pins. So because it's a, a big, a big sheet. It's about 40 by 30. So okay. it's a lot of soldering, a lot of iron, ironing. Um, that that the the modules for each uh, for each number. The each number will contain two LEDs, and okay. they are a bit apart. So I made modules which will put in. If you can, yeah. Those are there are the pins. Now I'll put that in each number, and it will come out uh, the pins to to the, the the line or the the column accordingly. Okay, that's basically um, my production line so far. That's great. Um, once
1: you get up to like a hundred rather than ten boards, um, that's when it can make yeah. sense to etch. You can either get set up to etch internally or send it out to a board house, but. This is right at the boundary where instead of milling, you're making enough of the same thing over and over that it might make sense to etch it
3: um, It was so small that I, I didn't thought about it even actually It took about okay. uh i don't know five hours to make the ninety uh ninety modules little modules oh, that's, so that's fine that was then. The, the idea yeah, yeah, um, um
0: let's see, I think this is
1: the right one. Um, the, um, last year, this was, yeah, um, this was a really, I think this is the right one. There was a really nice scoreboard.
3: Pictures there. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, the idea is to have as well two segmented numbers uh, as well. Okay. So um, I'll be using two of those as well. That's great. Oh, so
1: that's really this important. was
3: just showing. He did a nice job
1: on making a control app, and the final project w- was very finished. This was just. There've been a couple of nice scoreboard projects. That was one of them. Uh, this was Scott Detected another one. Yeah. Okay, good. That looks good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh,
3: Muaz from UAE. Okay. Uh, hello. Muaz is not here now, but uh, when he comes back, I'll let him speak to you.
1: Okay. I'll leave that page up. Uh, Constantine from Camp
3: Linfort,
1: Danielle.
8: Hi, Neil. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, and we just had two compliment for it.
1: So, is this Constantine?
8: Yes, it's me, hi. Okay, okay, tell me about yourself, tell me about yourself. Um, um, <laughs> so, I'm uh, 49 years old. Um, my freshman is a graphic designer. I work as an operator in a company. And uh, yeah, uh, what else? Uh, father of three kids, and okay. I like doing stuff like uh, you know, doing do it Good. yourself and building up for the kids and myself. Um, okay. That's the background first. Okay. Final uh, final final. My final project is uh, actually a kind of uh, multi-copter, but uh, a hybrid one. I want to build uh, a copter with a helium vessel in the center. Okay. You achieve um yeah enlarged uh, airtime. Hey. Hey.
1: Yeah, there's oh, yeah, uh, been a there's been a, a few like DIY um um I mean, there have been let's see, there's a, there's a very simple instructable. Um, there have been a couple of interesting projects making um, it's less a quadcopter. It's more just a small blimp. Is that, is that the direction you're going in?
8: Um, more or less. Also, um, the helium vessel itself, the blimp, is um, ellipsoid, so to, to reduce uh, the draft, uh, the and um yeah it is capable also to to fly without the vessel actually so I, i'm building up um, a space frame structure so like hey. uh, this one i've got okay you see that yeah i do yeah, yeah. i do yeah yeah so um there are 3d printed joints uh, the first prototype i made up by three uh, millimeter diameter bench wood it was uh, quite successful very light and stiff also No. okay and um yeah by using carbon rods i could reduce the weight uh, from uh, nearly 40 grams to uh, 33 and today i want to test uh, how it works with with the working motor like vibrations and stiffness and everything okay yeah
1: um one Um, direction you might look at um there's a class called lifting body airships that are halfway between a blimp and an airplane. Um, they're, they're airplanes that kind of work as airplanes, but but they have an inflated body. And um, there hasn't been much on that in DIY. There's either big balloons or, or copters, and there might be an interesting sort of intermediate category like this you could experiment with.
8: Yeah, it's like uh, the, the problems or the issues I run into is like, um, um, the size. If, if, uh, if the size is too small, let's say, um, the effect from the helium on the, from airlift, um, is yep. not noticeable. So, um, yep. it has to, yep. to reach at least a certain size that the effect, uh, will, you know, show off. So, uh, right. I started right. designing from 80 centimeters. Uh, diameter, and uh, now I reached one meter twenty. <laughs>
1: okay.
8: Uh, to have to have an effect, actually, but um, yeah, I think that will work.
1: Yeah, but you'll find yeah, that sparse cellular structures you can actually make surprisingly large structures without much effort. Oh,
0: that actually that's
1: yeah. yeah.
8: That's for now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good.
1: Okay.
0: Thank okay. you. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. And then You're welcome. you button. next. Hi, Nia. This is you on. Cool. Hi. Hi. you about yourself. you about yourself. Uh, so, well,
9: I'm a mechanical engineer by education, but that's already, uh, feels long since gone, so I graduated a few years ago from Carltshire University, uh, specializing on general mechanical engineering, but I was always uh, wanted to be an aeronautical engineer. Uh, I ended up working uh, in industry, I ended up working in a small startup company in Australia, which was doing remote sensing, and I had a quite good time there, and... This really exposed me to, um, let's say, this whole, this whole thing of uh, doing things yourself, uh, creating new sort of uh, remote sensors, putting this into the airplane, and I had a quite inspiring project there, like setting up a new sensor technology, writing all the software for it, soldering all the, uh, all the joints, and putting it together, and in the end it, it worked, and that was quite a satisfying experience for me, and uh, I wanted to learn more about that. And it finally made me join uh, Fab Academy now, uh, five years later.
1: Great. Um, um, your, project, your project?
9: Yeah, my project. Um, probably you start off with the concept. Um, or So the idea is, uh, I call it the fabulous photobot. Uh, on the top you see a picture of my girlfriend and me in one of these uh, photo booths, which... Uh, gained quite some um, press type in the last few years. If you have, for instance, weddings or birthday parties, you always have these photo booths and people dress up and make funny pictures of themselves. And uh, I kind of got bored of that over the last few months and thought what could be an, an innovative approach towards that to make things more interactive so that people would interact with, this, with photo booths and uh, the way they would interact with a regular photographer and so my idea was to replace this photographer by a a bot which can then move around uh, have a camera which goes uh, up and down and takes pictures from different angles which can be controlled with your smartphone and then have some more interactivity and uh, probably also some feedback uh,
2: so
9: so that's the overall idea Good
1: and then how far? What? How much progress have you made?
9: Um, so if you go to uh, number three in the menu,
2: uh,
9: you see uh, my plan, which I lag a little bit behind to be honest. So I was uh, constructing, um, let's say, the, the frame, which is going to hold the camera, and I'm still I still have to do some work on the kinematics for the tilting mechanism of the camera. So I wanted to be able to pitch up and down, and uh, so this camera is also meant to be put on a, let's say, on a tower, which is uh, which can be used to to um, yeah to have the camera go up and down, in order to have different perspectives or different heights of the camera. And then I have the undercarriage, which you see here. It's driven by two uh, BLDC motors. And with uh, differential thrust from these motors, I can also turn the platform and make it move forward and backward. And what you see here is, um, let's say, some part of innovation I would like to put in is this uh, push chain concept. So um, this camera should move up and down with a push chain. It sits on uh, two rails of a drawer, uh, which can be pulled out. And uh, the push chain is driving that. Okay. Okay.
0: uh, Something I'm going to stress
1: in a week is the idea of spiral development, where you do a first spiral of a small but complete version of the system, and then you add spirals. And so here what that would mean is um, you have a lot of degrees of freedom. Um, Get one working first, like just get a camera where you can do the height, but get the app and the camera and the picture and then go back. I don't think you'll have time for all those degrees of freedom in the class.
9: Yeah, I fully agree. And uh, this is why I sort of uh, try to slice it down into pieces, then start off with, uh, let's say, a moving undercarriage. Next step would be to have the camera working, go upward, uh, up and down, and then have it tilting, and then work on the, the app to control basically the, the camera. And okay. um, there's, there's, of course, ways more stretch goals which could be fulfilled. I'm not sure whether I can do it in uh, in the course of the Fab Academy, but uh, I'm going to have the interface with a uh, uh, Raspberry Pi, though this will be my, my server, basically, which I then connect to the smartphone. And of course, you can do ways more on that, like face recognition and, uh, let's say, interesting ways of, of interaction. But not all of that will be part of my final project.
1: Okay, Maybe. if you're putting in a pie, something I mentioned before um just just for the camera that you might consider is uh
0: um, sorry if so do.
1: So um, these HD webcams can go much higher than webcam resolution. I I even, I don't recall the maximum resolution you can get from it, um, but they do video at HD, but for photos, they go well above it. And then um, there's a live UVC that talks to them. Um, and so that speaks the protocol they speak, um, GUVC view is a viewer, um, and uh, what these let you do is get in and control absolutely everything on the camera, the frame rate and the color balance and the intensity and all of that. Um, and so I found those to be really easy ways to make controllable cameras compared to camera modules that do surprisingly good pictures. And so, if you already have a Pi controller, um, that might simplify the image taking.
9: Yeah, I made a note when you said that, I think in the last lecture, and uh, that's definitely one of the ways I would like to tackle this uh, live image um, as well. So, I'd like to um, transmit the, um, the image from the camera or from a second webcam, which gives me information on how it is positioned at the moment and gives the feedback to the user. And that would be also my approach to that. Yeah, because
1: the, yeah. uh, the camera, commu- the official camera communication protocols are fairly complex. Um, uh, the, uh, these have matured, so these are really painless ways to collect images. Okay. Good. Thank you, Jorn. Yeah.
2: Yes, you. Neil. This is Neil, uh,
1: Okay. Uh, oh, here. Uh, this. You, must Yes. Yeah. Good. Tell me about yourself.
2: Uh, my name is Mouad. I'm from Pablab Dhabi, UAE in Dubai. I have a bachelor in uh, civil engineering, and I'm 25 years old.
1: And you're the tallest guy. Here,
0: can you stand up?
2: <laughs> yes, hopefully. Here, let's
0: stand up. Let's see. <laughs>
2: this is me. OK, okay you're tall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, final project.
2: Yeah. So I'm doing an electric skateboard, desert electric skateboard. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, if you, if you open this, this week's assignment, you will see the, uh, full. Yeah. So. As I said, I'm doing the electric skateboard for desert, and uh, I found a lot of projects done before that uh, on this uh, topic. And I think that the, yeah, this guy did the uh, electric skateboard, but I did not like the whole thing. Like, it was a little bit, like, uh, not that good finishing. But okay, the case ahead. is that all the skateboards are not, like, meant for desert. They're only, like, normal skateboards. So I didn't find anybody that made an electric skateboard for the desert. So how how is it going to work? How how does the skateboard work in the desert? I think the issue will be like with the wheels and uh, the main issue I think will be with the wheels because you know like uh, normal cars like they are not like for the the wheels will not work on the desert the normal skateboard. But yeah. I have looked for like uh, in the web for some type of wheels and I found designs for uh, that use on buggies and. And I'll try to implement this on the skateboard.
1: Yeah. So um, uh, does Smooth-On ship to UAE? Do you know?
2: I have no idea.
1: Um, Francisco, do you know?
2: No, but we can order from other sources. We can search from India.
1: OK. So the reason I'm I'm mentioning is uh, Smooth-On has a line of urethane rubbers. And so when we covered molding and casting, um, they have many different kinds of urethane rubbers that let you design a mold and cast really tough rubber parts. And so a nice part of this project would be um, you would machine in wax or foam uh, tooling to design your own really big wheels. And then this would let you design and make uh, custom wheels.
2: Yeah. Uh, Actually, we bought a flexible 3D printing filament. And I'm trying to, I already designed the wheel. And I'm trying to print it with a flexible filament.
1: OK. Sure. Try it. Um, The Flex 3D printer filaments have had so-so material properties. And also, remember, it's very anisotropic that um, the properties are very different in plane versus out of the plane of the filament. So test it. You might get better material properties this way. Um, Sorry. The other benefit to think about casting rubber is, you want pretty big wheels and so, and you're going to want multiple ones. And so for the same yeah. time it takes to print, you could make one mold and then cast many wheels.
2: Yeah, that looks very good.
1: Yeah. I, I think that just just that, you know, given the history of electric skateboards, developing a nice high performance wheel would be a good thing to focus on. And just, just to repeat once again, in the same time it takes the printer to print the filament, you can machine the mold, the opposite. But then with the mold, so you don't need a flexible mold because you're casting flexible rubber. So you just need machine a rigid mold. But you could pick a rubber that's tough, it's dense, and then you can keep using the mold over and over to make a production line for the wheels.
8: OK. Yeah. yeah
1: okay good
0: suggestion you.
1: yeah go ahead uh
0: yeah how about using a belt with the wheels
3: like uh, in tanks
1: oh that's interesting so um uh yeah Marz, the suggestion is um a belt like a tank So um let's see. But you want a um there's like a flexible fabric version. So how about that for the skateboard?
0: Uh was? sorry, Moaz left.
1: Okay. But just you could mention the suggestion was what about a continuous tread,
2: yeah 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 he's he's trying to do this, but we we will try with the the silicon and this kind of truck,
1: okay, good,
2: uh okay, um
1: still didn't get Marco from Cagliari um mark from Barcelona. Barcelona.
9: Hi Nick. Yeah. Hi, Nick.
1: hi. Hello. This is Mark. How are you? Hi. Tell me about yourself.
10: Um, I'm a product designer and. Oh, sorry.
0: This um, this is a fun video.
10: So, It was just done with paper and words. So. Oh, this is great. <laughs>
1: Oh, what a great video okay good so we've met now
10: uh, thanks for it um so i'm a i'm a product designer and i'm doing fab academy because um well i i know fab, um fab lab bcn for quite a few years ago and but since um some months ago we started collaborating with um um company i work for so uh, i decided to to join some academy with um, um with the company so they they are paying for basically for being here and um i'm doing it as a as a part of my job as well so okay i what think that's something do? um they do fragrances and i work in the innovation department So um, we we are thinking about running or starting a fab lab or let's say a mini fab lab in the coming months. So we thought that it might be interesting that I'm here so I can learn everything and then um, be in contact with all of you. So okay, uh, and then. For the final project, I'm trying to do a kind of kinetic um, sculpture, let's say. Um, so basically, I have been um, looking at a lot of installations, that um, but not there's not a lot of information about um, how they are built and so on because most of the projects are for commercial purposes. Mm-hmm. So all the information is really closed, and there's not a lot of of information, of open information. Um, But anyway, I have um, contacted uh, a few people that um, have have helped me a lot. Um, One of them is from the MIT, actually, and I'm trying to uh, reveal the board that they have made to to run some... I don't know the name now, but I, I will have to check in the emails. But um, okay. well, I know the I know the like the um, how do you say like the avatar name or something like that. Like yeah. it's called Chevelabs in in the in the net, but I don't know like. Um, so basically, um, I am trying to do this um, kinetic sculpture, but with some um, a special servos. Um because I have been trying hobby servos for this purpose but um so far I have um I have found that uh special servers, uh, from a company called Dynamixel which are um basically what they what they do is that they have a microcontroller inside, kind of um like Mechaduino Arduino is doing now, but um So that you can control and know the position exactly at every time and send feedback from the, from the servo. But pause for a minute. Um, How much do those cost? Sorry?
1: How much do those cost?
10: Um, Yeah, they are like uh, 40, 40 euros each. Okay. But yeah. um, Sorry.
1: Can you mute? Uh, For the final project for this class, what I think it'd be great to focus on is if you look at one of those servos, the bill of materials is only a few dollars. Um, If you start with a... So what's good about this um, is you don't have large mechanical loads. So if you start with a simple DC motor... Um, those are very easy to drive and those cost, uh, you know, a, a dollar or two for a little DC motor. And then with a rotary encoder is a dollar or two. And then you add, you, it's very easy to add your own microcontroller. And so the spirit of this final project would be, given that you might want 100 of these, um, you know, can, can you do it for four and not 40 euros? Um you'll be yeah, sure. Able to no that.
10: that that was like the uh the the beginning of the project was um this approach but then trying um, and looking for information about encoders and so on, I thought uh well I I have tried and they of course they work but then they are not really reliable. Like um if if they are running for some time then you lose some information and the feedback it's not very precise, let's say, Mm -hmm. so that's why I intended to have something more professional in a way or something more precise, but I mean...
1: Yeah, I think you're giving up too easily. Um, I I think you're giving up too easily that um, I think with a little bit of work, you'll be able to develop a programmable sculpture unit that um, both... I mean, the reasons why for this, you know, not maybe for the company, but for this purpose is both for you to learn how to make it and for you to optimize the design. Um, I, I think you'll find it's easier than than you're considering. Um,
10: yeah, yeah. Um, the, yeah, you said it very well. Like, I'm in the middle of two pressures, like Pub Academy and then the company. So, I have to fulfill both of them. Okay. Um, that's not an easy thing sometimes. Okay. But, it, yeah, for I your point,
1: totally. Yeah, for Fab Academy, I want to see all the skills. So if you buy those motors, you know, make your own controller. Show that you can make the microcontroller board and interface it. Um, but but again, I, I would again spend a little more time because. Uh, make buying a, mo- a, a little motor, making a little DC motor controller, and adding a feedback, you should be able to do for a few dollars in parts um, to make it much more scalable. Again, I would spend a little bit more time on that. I think it's a- easier than you're approaching it.
10: Okay. I'll try.
1: Okay. Good. Thank you. Um, 10 after. Let's just open it up. To people we've missed before and people who have interesting project ideas, people who have problems, uh, people who have had notable failures. Who wants to go next? Hi, Neil. Yeah.
11: I'm from Barcelona. I want to talk Sorry.
1: about. Sorry, there's a dropout. Right?
11: Yeah, I'm Julia from Barcelona. And I wanted to talk a little bit about my final project. Okay. Um, tell me the name again. Uh, Julia.
1: Julia. Got it. Uh, tell me about yourself first.
11: I am, I have an architectural background, and I learned a little bit about uh, digital fabrication uh, a few years ago in Chicago at IIT, where I did an, an exchange program. And okay. when I finished school, I decided I wanted to know a little bit more about it.
1: Good. Okay. So final project.
11: So I am working on developing uh, uh, an open-source uh, bike power meter, as I am a, an amateur cyclist. And this is, a, it is something that is starting to be really popular, but it's still really uh, – there's not, a, like, a reliable open-source device, and the, the commercial devices are still really expensive. And uh, if you look at, at them, they shouldn't be that expensive. Okay. So the device is based on uh, strain gauges, and, okay. and uh, well, what I am uh, working on, it's also uh, a, a small display that uh, it's connected via Bluetooth uh, to the to the to the system. Uh, the strain gauges will be implemented on the on the crank of the bike. So, those are a couple, like, the only do-it-yourself versions I've seen, I've seen in the Internet, and I've been looking at them pretty closely, and I've learned a lot from them.
1: Ah, So, good. Um, this is a good project for – let's go to input devices. So, you can um, – Uh, um, Let's see, so are you familiar with how strain gauges work?
11: Well, I was not familiar, but uh, now I am getting familiar with it. If you go to my, like, project development uh, webpage, I've been doing some tests, and yesterday I got my first torque measurement, so I'm pretty Ah, happy with it.
1: Uh, Where should I go to?
11: Uh, project development okay, yeah, if you go to the bottom part, it's where I am right now
1: okay, uh, let me flag for everybody else um uh she is do Julia is doing what I keep asking everybody to do, which is this is a a nice tracking page where she's logging the work on the progress and so at the very end she just needs to add a little bit at the end. Um, Good. Yeah this is what, so um, are you making or buying your strain gauges?
11: I am buying them.
0: Okay.
1: Okay, good. So just yeah, a couple notes on strain gauges. Um uh you can buy them, they're very simpler, they're they're just these rosette patterns. Um and so what's going on is resistance is resistivity times length over area, and so in the strain gauge, you have the traces, and um, when this whole thing stretches, this gets longer and thinner. And so the trace gets slightly longer and thinner, and so you're changing. The resistivity stays constant, but the ratio of length to area changes as you stretch the material a little, little bit. <clears throat> but the change is only a few percent. And so um you may have caught up to this but let me explain for everyone. I had covered bridges. And so if you have the changing strain gauge, let's say nominally it's 10k. Um and you then you you put it in a bridge with matching resistors. Um <laughs> What you'll get is a small change in the balance of the bridge. And so then if you go into the microcontroller, you can use the differential input to the A to D and then the 20X gain. And the microcontroller can easily measure that small value. The one thing you want to do is oversample rather than measuring it once. Measure it a hundred times and accumulate the readings uh, to improve the signal to noise. If you look at the um uh input device example where I read the temperature um, in this example, um in the microcode um Oh no, see in that, that one, I just do it single shot, but in some of the ones, um, like I think the optical bridge, I, I measure it multiple times and I accumulate it to reduce the noise in the measurement. Um, and so uh, you'll have no trouble reading the strain gauge just with the microcontroller. Um, did you have questions about strain gauges or doing the measurement?
11: Well, yesterday I had tons of them, but I somehow ended up solving it. So right now I am I'm all right.
1: <laughs> okay. But so just a, again, a couple of notes about strain gauges. One is um, the attachment to the crank is really important. Uh, because you're actually stretching the wire, it has to be, you know, you have to, it has to be really clean and glued on really well. If there's any imperfection in the attachment, it won't follow the strain properly. So just the gluing process is really important for the strain gauges. And once it's once it's attached, you want to um, seal it um, to protect it from the environment.
11: And what is the sealant I can use? It's like I've been doing a small research on that, but I haven't really found yet what is the product oh, I should but, seal
0: it with.
1: Yeah. A, 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 um, you can get um, silicone... Conformal coatings, Um, and these are things you either spray or dip, Um, uh, and it it just creates like a flexible silicone encapsulant layer is one good way to do it. Cool, thanks. Yeah, and then the just the other comment is if you read about strain gauges, you'll you'll there'll be a lot about the the fancy electronics to drive them um just to repeat once you make the bridge all you need is um you know uh well in fact actually not literally if we go back to um, yeah it in the temperature example just that, this little board you know this is my wheatstone bridge re- reading the thermistor um if all you do is re- the thermistor with the strain gauge. um, That's all you need to read it. Um, They're much easier to read than industrial practice would suggest. Um, And this is a good project because there isn't much use of strain gauges in fab labs, um, but they have all sorts of applications. And so this will be a nice project just to document how you talk to a strain gauge. Good. Thanks. Okay. Who else wants to show progress or ask questions?
12: Hi Neil. This is Joris yep. from Amsterdam. So um cool. my name is Joris Lam from Amsterdam. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'd like to share my final project with you um, as I think it's Sorry, did we meet you before? Sorry?
1: Have we met you yet? No, no. I'm new. Okay. T- take a minute. Tell me about yourself.
12: Um, so I'm a designer from Amsterdam. I run uh, an IoT startup, and for my final project, I'm trying to make a modular Internet of Things hardware based on Lego bricks. Uh, so that people can either make their own citizen science kit without needing to Ooh. know anything about hardware, uh, this is some of the things um, I was doing in previous weeks. So on my final project page, I took all the things that I made in previous weeks um, that uh, amount up to my final project. And oh, so sorry, people
1: can—is uh, this a laser-cut brick that actually does snap onto LEGO?
12: Oh yeah, yeah, totally. This is a, this is the first laser-cut <laughs> brick <laughs> that I made, and it's fully compatible with LEGO. Uh, right. So so in the first part of the, the Fab Academy, I was just sort of working on how to make fabable Lego bricks, and then I started integrating electronics with these bricks. Um, and so the next step that I'm working on right now for my final project is making them uh, stackable, but also having the electronics, the data, and the power lines connect through the bricks. Um, so you stack them, and then they power uh, all the other ones, and the data runs through them over i squared c And so the goal for this is there's basically three applications for this that I see. One is people can make um, smart home products that actually are smart enough to uh, be able to be interchangeable and you're not stuck with whatever one product you buy. But rather than that, I want to inspire people to start thinking about what they want to measure, why they want to measure, for instance, air quality, noise, light. Uh, and put together their own sensor kit rather than buy something off the shelf. Um, Then I'm also working on an educational program where uh, you can teach kids how to code without um, having the threshold of having to do hardware or soldering, which for a lot of young kids can still be a a bit uh, problematic. So actually I'm working with um, the corporate social responsibility arm of uh, Vodafone here in the Netherlands to bring this project to uh, thousands of school kids as an educational outreach. Um, And then the third thing that I hope this can do is is for people to make their own citizen science kits um, that actually hold relevant stuff for them to measure. So some people are very interested in noise, maybe in the combination with light or with VOCs. Um, With this kit, you can just put it together any way you want.
0: Um,
1: That's great. There's a couple neighboring relevant projects to mention. Uh, One was um, uh, Tomas Diaz's Smart Citizen Project became this Smart Citizen Platform. I don't know if you've been in touch with Tomas.
12: Yeah, this morning, uh, well, not Tomas, but this morning we had a regional review with uh, the Fab Lab Barcelona, um, and I was actually quite inspired by this kit. Um, But I I really like it, but what I don't like about it so much is that
1: Well, sorry, let me jump right to not the kit, meaning the platform. So what you're doing is a great next step on the physical embodiment. Um, But what a lot of Tomas and crew have done is the back-end platform for how people share data from these. And so there might be a natural collaboration where you improve the physical embodiment, but you can share the back-end infrastructure.
12: Oh, I, I would love that. I, I love their platform. I'm very very familiar with it, and I think it's really, really good. So we're actually discussing that this morning as an option.
1: Yeah, so, like, uh,
12: Santi, can you introduce Tomas
1: or somebody in Barcelona?
0: Yeah, sure. I would write an email yeah. to that. Well, yeah. Tomas is not
2: here, but I will do it. Yeah.
1: yeah, so you can do the intro. So
2: that's one, one connection.
0: Um,
1: And then another connection is... um. So Jonathan Bobrow took how to make and um let's see, he he ended up oh let me find uh so he, he did really interesting molding and casting. Um uh and then he's doing a Kickstarter based on uh so the Fab Academy class became these tiles that's become a Kickstarter um trucks. No that not that one. Um Sorry, the it, it's worth a minute. Let me find, um, oh, he has a lot of Kickstarters. He has a really interesting one on molding and casting um, objects like you're trying to make. Um, okay, this is it. Blink. Um Um, nope it's a different one Um, the, the reason I'm trying to find this for you is he's done a really nice job of molding and casting where he does insert molding to make beautifully finished objects I mean, these are them in the background. And so um, he casts them so that, yeah, again, I thought there was a nice video of these. um, uh, Okay, here's a video of them. Um, A time, yeah. And so, it's the snap-together modular construction system. Uh, and he went all in on molding and casting, that he would make neat molds to cast these in nice materials, insert, mold the electronics to make these beautiful, uh, beautifully finished tiles. And then, working on how you snap them together and implement the protocols. Yeah, this is the exactly what I wanted to show.
12: I think it's very interesting. One of the things that I'm struggling most with is um getting the right tolerances so they 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 snap together but also have sound electronic uh connections. So right now I'm looking at um pogo pins as the connectors between the between the two bricks because um because of the tension in the spring, you know, you can make quite a sound connection. Uh, yeah. But this is but very interesting as well.
1: Sure. So another way to do that um One of my students um, worked with another group at MIT to make these robot pebbles. And um, so um, this was to make physically reconfigurable. So um, this was a neat design where it's a planar board that folds up into a 3D cube. Um that snaps together, and then they can programmatically attach or detach um and um see if there's a video of that um no, that's not the right one, so um. What they ended up doing was uh, connecting through magnets. So um, they used um, magnets to hold them together, and they actually used the magnets as the electrical connections and found that they could get um, you know, uh, good connections through the interface magnets.
12: And that's very interesting. I should look into that. Um... Yeah, I, I sort of keep struggling with the fact that I also want it to be Lego compatible because I want people to be able to build upon the system with Legos that they already have so they
1: don't yeah, have to do so 3D printing. Yeah, I think that's too much of a constraint. I mean, it, that would be nice, but, um, you know, that in triage, the first thing I would let go of is the Lego compatibility. But, so again, uh, magnets are another way to do it. And there's one other way to do it, which is... <clears throat> Uh, it's very easy to do AC rather than DC communication. And so all you would do is bus power and ground. And then, um, inst- so, um, uh, if this is one of them, you need a physical connection for power and ground, or you can have little batteries in them. But then, if you have a pair of facing electrodes, um, and uh, if you, you know, conceptually, if you open and close the potential here, and then you um, measure a, a vo- you know, a voltage drop here. Um, What you get are, you know, nice little transients that look like that. And so it's very, very easy to signal capacitively through mating surfaces. So you you could either put in um, batteries or just do power and ground, but do all of the COM AC so that you can otherwise have a featureless sealed object.
12: All right. And how is this technology called? How how would I research this?
1: Oh, it, it's just, um, it, in a way it's a radio. It's just AC rather than DC. Um, right. so, um, you know, uh, this is what's used in power line communication, for example. Um, so when you do, uh, uh, power line data, um, if you, if you look at anything on that, um, power line, um, you're capacitively coupling in and you're making little transients over the power line. Um, and so uh, it's uh, power line data, it's, eight, it's just AC coupled rather than DC coupled, meaning there, there's no DC path, there's only an AC path. And there's a large literature on you know, AC coupled communication Um, Oh, this is interesting. This is a, sounds like a TI chip for it. But yeah, AC coupling or power line are things to read about.
12: All right. Thank you.
1: Okay. We're up to 1030. Anything urgent, last ones? Otherwise, we'll start the bio break. Good. Then let's stop here. uh, 15 minute bio break. Start in at quarter of.